Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Self-Help Witch, where we explore the synergy between spirituality and self-help. I am Dana, I'm your host, and I'm an astrologer. Today, we are talking to Chelsea Reif. She is a podcast coach who helped me launch this podcast. Chelsea is laying down the truth in this episode about the art of the reframe and how it can really, truly change your life. This episode is for you if you have limiting beliefs that are stopping you from doing something you want to do. If you feel like you get in your own way, which like, hello, (laughs) that's all of us, right? Like I think all of us experience that, but Chelsea is going to tell us in this episode exactly how to move through our own blocks and get out of our own way with this concept of reframing. And not only that, she's going to talk about how to use your gifts to build self-esteem and confidence. And if you're like, I don't even know what the fuck my gifts are. Guess what? She's going to tell you how to find out what they are. So a lot of great stuff in the episode today. Before we get into it, I do have an exciting announcement. I've got a new course. Yes, it makes sense. You know, I'm a teacher and I know I I've always knew that I wanted to offer courses about astrology and self-help and how these two kind of work together. But I just hadn't gotten it together yet, but here we are. I've got a course for you and I'm excited to share it. It's called Birth Chart Astrology Basics. And who it's for is anyone that's looking to one, deepen their understanding of what astrology is and how it works. And two, learn how to read birth charts in a way that actually makes sense. So there's four lessons and about an hour of content. Really there's three lessons because the first is an intro. So we're first talking about astrology from a philosophical point of view like how does it work are the planets literally shooting their rays at us spoiler alert they're not but we're going to get into that and how that works we're also going to talk about the history of astrology in lesson two i break down how to read a birth chart in a way that actually makes sense so we'll talk about the different elements of the chart what they represent what you're actually looking at when you look at a chart and then a very straightforward approach for synthesizing that information into a meaningful interpretation. And then lastly, in lesson three, we'll talk about the ways you should and probably shouldn't use astrology or what to expect as far as like how astrology can help you. So this is what the course is all about. It's meant to set you up with a foundation to help you deepen your own philosophical stance when it comes to astrology. Be more informed when you're researching astrological principles and ideas. And then, of course, it's meant to help you read your own birth chart or read charts for other people. This course is only $22, and I did that very intentionally because I want this information to be accessible to anyone. So it also includes access to my new Discord community. So look, this Discord community is for everyone, but when you join this course, you're gonna get access to an exclusive course only channel within the Discord. So I will have the Discord link below. Even if you're not interested in joining this course, join the Discord because there's gonna be a lot of great conversations about astrology and self-help topics in there. Um, And again, if you do join this course, you're gonna get an exclusive channel just for folks in the course. I also have all of the curriculum notes housed in Notion. You're gonna have access to those Notion documents and a super special astrology elements database that will give you not just the keywords but the mythology and the ruling planets for the signs and what the houses mean and 
basically you're never gonna have to Google again because I've got all of the information for the different elements of astrology housed in that Notion curriculum for you. So if you have any questions about that, don't hesitate to email selfhelpwitch at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at selfhelpwitch. But for now, let's get into this conversation with Chelsea that I really think is gonna change your mind and change your life. We're talking about reframing and I personally was a little surprised. Like I was really excited to see that because I think it's such a useful thing to talk about, but you seem like you don't need to do that. Like you seem like you're doing really great. You seem really confident. It must be because of the reframe, but I was surprised that this was like something that's in your world, you know? Oh yeah. I, I feel like I am where I am because of like learning how to reframe. So that's something that my therapist taught me back in 2016, I think, when I was going through a really hard breakup and she just showed me everything I would tell her. I would always be the loser, the, you know, shit end of the stick, the person that was not like ending up on top. And she's just like, I don't understand. Why are you always like putting yourself down and you're so hard on yourself? Like, let's work on reframing these stories. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't understand. You you're telling me my thoughts aren't true, like they're not factual. And she's like, yeah, we can give our memories and our thoughts yeah. like new meaning. Yeah. And that was so fascinating to me. So she just taught me the power of like finding evidence to support a new thought. And that's something I actively have to do quite often, especially in business. That is so fascinating. I I mean, I've thought about the fact that our thoughts like aren't real before, but not in this context of like sort of self-help, right? Of rewriting our stories and rewriting our narratives. How did like you start to incorporate this in your life? Where did you like first kind of try it out and how did that go for you? So I started out literally doing exercises, writing them. So it would be like negative thought new thought that I want to have and then evidence to support that new thought or evidence to support the negative that the negative thought wasn't true. So maybe an example was like, I'm bad at dating, like that would be the negative thought. So I need to find evidence. And I've had multiple therapists tell me this, like, take your thoughts to court, where it's like, cross examine them. So if I say I'm bad at dating, what would a cross examination prosecutor say to that? Well, I need to find evidence to show that I'm not bad at dating. I've actually never ended up in a relationship where, you know, someone cheated on me. I've never ended up marrying someone that treated me like shit. Like there were so many things to show that I wasn't bad at dating, but I had just used that isolated breakup to somehow color my whole background and history of dating instead of looking at all the guys I dated and been like, you're not bad at dating. Like that's just such a sweeping generalization. And so that started to help me be like, I'm not bad at dating. There was just this one incident that didn't go as what I thought in my, you know, fantasy land brain, romantic comedy. It didn't turn out that way, but that's okay. And I can move forward. And I didn't end up marrying the guy, thank God. So I use it a lot yeah. in dating. And then with business, I, I constantly have to do that, especially in a world where the coaching industry is bombarding us with numbers and have a 100k month and I have 45 new clients and you're just like what is going on and so I constantly have to reframe my success and find new meanings of success that don't have to do with money or the amount of clients I have because that can easily put me in a tailspin of like negative oh my god I mean there's so much wisdom in what you're talking about first of all this exercise of 
take the tangible evidence and then create the thought, it just really highlights for me like how much of what we think is a cognitive distortion but we just don't recognize it because we think our thoughts are real. Yes. Yeah. We take them as fact because you're like, I'm thinking it. Like, how is it not true? I'm thinking it. There was also this meme that came out that's like, the way you perceive yourself is literally not the way anyone else perceives you. And I'm like, that still makes me like completely stop and be like, wait, what are you talking about? It's wild that I'm like, yeah, my thoughts about myself are also not true. That fucked me up when I saw that. <laughs> I need to find that and like make it my background yeah. to constantly remind me because I I don't even think that was the exact verbiage, but it was something along those lines that you're like, wait, you're telling me you don't see me the way I see me. It seems logical, but it's also mind blowing. Yeah. And it also is so empowering, though, because we really can. Well, first of all, we can free ourselves from our limiting beliefs, right? We we have like this tangible tool of like, look at the proof, look at the receipts of your life and know that you really your thoughts are usually wrong or at least biased right yeah they're always biased and it's always I think there's a there's a study that came out too that was like you know when you take a test let's say you got nine answers right and you got one wrong it's really hard to focus on the nine right and you just focus on that one wrong because you're like if I just got that one thing right it would have been a perfect 100% a plus and we tend to take that type of thinking into our lives like oh my gosh, I had one bad breakup. That means the rest of my life I'm mm, going to have bad breakups instead of like, actually, I've had a lot of relationships that went really well. It just wasn't the right guy, right timing. And I'm using dating as the example, but this is true for anything with business. Reframing success, that's something that I've had to do recently is like, maybe I'm not mm -hmm. hitting my financial goals, but my systems goals I'm hitting or my retention goals or the fact that I have free time to take an hour lunch break and walk outside and not have to respond to anyone. That's a really big win. There was also something that happened recently with signups in a course I was running and I didn't get as many as I wanted at all. But when I looked at the last time I ran this course, I was charging almost a fourth of what I charged the next time around. So if you were to look at the numbers, it's like, well, technically I could reframe that as I'm working smarter, not harder. I only had X amount of people, but I made almost four times the income. Why am I focused so much on the amount of people when I'm able to not have to manage 20 people in a course? I could manage a smaller number and make more money. I could reframe that to be like, that was actually a smart move and you're just doing it more efficiently. So it's something I constantly have to revisit. But yeah, reframing is honestly one of the main tools I use when it comes to my I feel like hearing you talk about the way it's empowered you in your business, like it's absolutely crucial in because we are always going to have these expectations. But I think a lot of the time and I've definitely experienced this, like the expectations that I have for myself are actually not what I need in the moment. Yes. Right. Like for you, you maybe needed to master these systems first. And even though that's not what we wanted to happen, that doesn't mean that we've failed it's really all about how you're choosing to see the situation and even the word failure i've reframed that i'm like i don't think anything's failure everything's an experiment i i think the only way i would fail right now is if i gave up without literally trying 10 more options like that's something that i constantly have to remind myself is like i've never truly mm -hmm. failed at anything that i've really wanted to do i've just had to look at it from a different angle absolutely i'm curious what you feel like the relationship between confidence and the reframe is? Mm, I feel like confidence is, the definition of it is literally self-assurance. 
And so I feel like when you have when you use reframing to build evidence, that evidence builds self-assurance because we love cold, hard facts and concrete data. Like that's why before we buy something, we read the reviews or the testimonials or the ratings, right? Like we love to see that. So I feel like when you can build that type of like inner data bank for yourself of like inner testimonials and reviews and ratings or whatever, it builds that self-assuredness that you're like, I'm literally using examples from my life, which creates that, again, self-assurance, which I think is what gives people that sense of quiet confidence, not arrogance, because that's something I think about a lot, too, is like, what's the real difference between some telling someone's really confident or if they're just arrogant or like full of themselves. And I'm like, you can just tell there's this inner knowing that I trust myself. And I think you trust yourself by finding evidence and data to trust yourself. Oh my God. I, the way you just wove that together, like I need to put that on a poster <laughs> somewhere. Like that was so articulate and like channeled. Uh, I'm glad. Cause I was like, I don't know if that made sense. Oh so I'm God. glad that I'm glad it no, it did. I wanted to ask you because you kind of talked a little bit earlier about how you would literally like rewrite. Were you actually writing these down? And then if so, like, are you using them in like an affirmation type of way? Or like, how are you kind of incorporating them in your practice of like moving through the blocks? Yeah, I think in the beginning, I had to write it down because I am just a visual person and a process. I process things by like getting it out of my brain. So when in the early stages when I was learning about this concept, it was kind of the same thing as when you're in kindergarten and you just keep writing the ABCs over and over. It's like I need to get in the habit of doing this so that it does become just a natural thing that I can do in my head instead of trying to compute and do all these things in my brain. So now, fast forward, present day, what I do is I can do that now in my brain where I'm like, Okay, again, I use that example of the signups in the course. I did not write that down. I didn't do affirmations. I didn't do anything. It was more of, I, I actually maybe would write it down if I was reviewing like monthly goals or where I'm at in the year and be like, okay, yeah, you didn't have as many signups. But if you're comparing that to the last time you ran your course, it's a whole different game, right? Like you actually did do a really great job. So I can do that a lot in my mind now. But if I'm finding that I'm a little stuck or I'm like, why can't I just figure this out or why is this bothering me so much, I will write things down because I'm very much a person that learns and processes by writing or speaking. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's so I think, you know, I teach English and that's actually like a, a fact when you physically write something down, you it you retain it better. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I was just curious because that seemed like a natural ne next step. Like you could do that. You really could like ritualize writing. Yeah, even. right. Like start small. Like what is something that bothered me today or I haven't I had a negative thought about? Like, oh my God, I, I ate so unhealthy today. Okay, reframe that. Like, I actually decided to be less rigid with my food. I ate unhealthy one day, I will eat healthy the next six days. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so many ways to do it that doesn't have to be this big therapeutic project every single day. It's just like, I'm going to start small and make it a ritual in the morning or the evening. Mm -hmm. That is literally the key to everything because I think when we're trying to make a change in our lives, we see it as this like huge journey, which, yeah, probably like in the long run, but you have to live it every day. Like it's not going to happen in the future. It's happening every single day. Yes. You take these small actions. Right. Exactly. You have to. The small actions and the baby steps are what end up becoming habits and then building your identity and foundation. That's why I'm a really big like I'm like very anti quantum leap because I'm like, I think when people quantum leap that or they push themselves to quantum leap, they don't realize that 
oh my God, I just jumped 10 levels, but I never built a foundation. So I have this house of cards that's going to tumble because I wasn't even ready for that level of whatever, income, success, love. And then they end up self-sabotaging it. So I'm like, I always think about it as like turning up a thermometer. Like, let me slowly get used to this income level, slowly get used to dating this type of person. Let me slowly get comfortable with this exercise, whatever the case is. Okay, I'm good with that. Now I'll raise the thermometer higher and you just keep going and going until you you'll one day just be like, oh, my God, I got there and I didn't realize it. But it was a way that was regulating to my nervous system. And it makes me more confident that I did it in that pace because I felt it while I was going through it versus like, whoa, how did I get here? I don't know how to sustain it type of thing. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of taking me back to how we started this conversation. Like you think that you want something but oftentimes you need something else and your expectations don't define your success. You do. So exactly. So I have a question for you that I was, as I was kind of like thinking about this topic in preparation for our conversation, the idea of bypassing came up for me Mm. that possibly people could think of the reframe and see it as like, okay, well, you're just ignoring the reality of the situation. So what would you say to somebody that might say that? Well, I would ask them, why is that the reality that might be the reality in your mind but that doesn't mean it's the real like reality is kind of subjective right like this is why i love the whole concept of Mm -hmm. you know people that are really big thinkers and almost like delusional i always think about this i'm like it was wild to think of someone that was like i'm gonna create a car and it's this big machine that's gonna go 70 miles per hour and take you from florida to california i'm like that is an absolutely nuts Like, I would be like, are you crazy? But like, that was their reality because of their environment. Maybe they grew up around big thinkers and innovators. So for them, that's reality. Where for me, that wouldn't really be a reality. I don't know the first thing about cars. So I think you need to consider like your environment, who you're around, the type of content you consume. There's so many variables that go into what is reality. But let's say someone's like, the reality is I'm not successful in my business. Well, okay, successful is a very vague term when you actually think about it are you not successful financially or do you mean with time or with client retention or with your systems or with your branding or your like there's so many ways to define success so I think actually asking yourself what am I really looking at as my reality and why do I think that's my reality and maybe it's not I'm not asking people you know a bubblegum coat over it and be like oh my God, well, everything's fine now. It's to give it a new meaning. Like, what would a best friend say? What would my mom say? What would my partner say about the situation that it would just make me feel a little bit better about it? Not, oh my God, I have to 100% change my mind, but maybe I could like 10% change my mind the way I feel. Oh, I love that. It makes me think about like, Again, the fact that we get to choose the reframe really takes us out of our own mind. Like if you think about the actual word reframe, you're not like lying to yourself. You're literally getting out of your own way by just seeing it with someone else's eyes or with objective eyes. (laughs) Exactly. Like you just said, think about it quite literally. If you have a picture of the ocean on your wall and you have a gold frame around it, then you take the gold frame off and you're like, actually, I'm going to put a silver circular frame around it. The picture didn't change, the frame did, but it gave it a whole new aesthetic. That's kind of what you're doing with your thoughts is like taking off the frame and putting on a new one and being like, okay, I can see that differently. Here's an example from my own life. I know we're talking about therapy and dating and relationships. 
this really helped me that it like it it clicked so much. So in my last relationship, I felt like I was just sacrificing all the time and like I didn't really stand my ground and like wasn't explicit in what I needed. And I was thinking of that, like, that's my reality. Like, I did that. That was me. That's my identity. I just sacrificed, sacrificed, yeah. sacrificed. Where my therapist pointed out, let's find example. Like, what's an example of you remembering when you sacrificed? So, like, walk me through it. And then I walked her through it. And I was giving her a very specific example. And she's like, wait, in that conversation, you stood up for yourself and you explained what was wrong. How is that sacrifice? Or, wait. Do you see how everything you're telling me at one point you did argue that point or you did state your needs? Like, I'm like, wow, my reality in my head was that I was like this puppy dog that followed my ex around. When in reality, I was like, oh, my God, all the evidence constantly refers back to like, I never did that. I always was very honest and clear with where I stood and what I wanted. And I'm like, I would have never gotten to that place without reframing that thought in my mind. This is so important. It's just so empowering to think about it like this. Yeah, like I reframe as much as I possibly can. And here's the thing, because I know maybe what your other question was, too, is like, you know, at what point are we reframing to almost ignore that we need to get out of a situation or, you know, I can't reframe my whole way through like an abusive relationship. That's definitely not what I'm saying. It's more of right. I think reframing is good for past experiences that you're still holding on to or perceptions about yourself. So if you're like, wow, I failed at that course launch. I was such a bad girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I was such a shitty friend to that girl back in, you know, two years ago. I think reframing it so you get rid of that guilt and shame, that is where I use reframing. Not like, oh, let me reframe that my boss is actually a toxic, abusive person. That's not it at all. It's like, no, there is that reality and you need to know when to get out. And I think it's helpful to reframe from a past perception. Absolutely. And like a reframe isn't even really probably appropriate in the present moment because maybe you just need to like experience it. Like, yeah. Well, I know you wanted to talk too about improving self-esteem with your gifts. I'm curious how this has come up for you and yeah, like how you've kind of done this for yourself. Yeah, I would say how has this come up for me is recently with my podcast coaching and, and strategy work. I have been a podcaster for five years, but it wasn't until last year where I actually made that my my main business. And what I found was it became easier for me to market it. It became easier for me to attract clients. My coaching calls became easier. Like the mental output was not that hard at all. And it was like, well, yeah, it's because I've been doing this for five years weekly. So when people are coming to me, it is a very natural gift that I have to be able to help people. So now scrolling back to like before I had the podcast, I had to go to school for storytelling and communications and broadcast journalism and editing and all these different things. So I also had that knowledge. So again, when we go back to like data and evidence, I can be like, I have so much training in this specific field that it helps me with my self-esteem because then when I do these coaching calls, I'm not teaching or coaching from a place of like, oh my God, I took one course on podcasting and now I'm an expert or I read one book and now I'm going to coach people on it. I'm using the gifts that I had and through that I'm building my self-esteem because it's like wow my I do have evidence and data that I know what I'm talking about and then I can see from client results the output and what I'm teaching is working people are launching podcasts they are sustaining them they are booking interviews or whatever the case is and that helps me build self-esteem within my work so I'm using the example of work but I think how people can do this themselves is like what have people always told you you're good at 
what are people always complimenting you on that they're like, Dana, I can't believe that just came so easily to you. Or like, how do you do that so quickly? And you're like, you almost think it's a joke that no one else can do it. You're like, no one else does this? Like, what do you mean? Like, this is the easiest thing in the world. That to me is what your gift is. And especially your zone of genius is something that feels almost like in a way you would almost feel bad charging for it because it comes so easy to you that you're like, doesn't everyone think this way? Because I think it builds self-esteem because it's so innate. I don't know if this is true for you, but I'm kind of thinking through like how that's applied to me and the things that people tell me I'm great at, I would feel like, oh, I could never like, for example, so I just had a recording with my astrology teacher and he said, well, I wanted to have you on because you seem so natural and funny on Instagram. Do you have like experience doing stand-up comedy? I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like it was the highest praise, first of all, because I don't like, yeah, I would love to be seen that way, but I do not see myself that way. Right. Um, but thinking about him saying that, I'm like, well, people would want to learn that from me. Like, it seemed like the most wacky thing. So how, like, how important is risk taking in this? Because I feel like those things that we are told we're good at, we're almost like, who, me? Yeah, I think that's something where I treat things like an experiment versus my concrete identity even like with podcast coaching when i started it i was like let me give this a shot first and knowing that i don't have to do this for the rest of my life it could be something that i experiment with for six months see how it goes and then keep doing it or not so i think even with you in the stand-up comedy example is like you know what i'm going to experiment for three months with doing like really funny reels and tiktoks and i'm going to see what comes out of that and then maybe if i find success in whatever way i'm thinking of it or i like doing it well, maybe I could teach a class on like how to weave comedy into your marketing. And now you've experimented with it and now you know, you know? That sounds so fun. Yeah. I'm gonna have to do that. I know. <laughs> I'm like, and people like to learn through people that have been through it, right? Like they, we like teachers when they know they've been through the mm -hmm. same things as we have, which is why I like to experiment first and digest and process and integrate and then teach. So I think that's something to think about too is like, I think a lot of times we we experience doubt or imposter syndrome or whatever because we haven't really taken the time to metabolize or digest something. And so when we are scared, if someone asks a question or inquires about something that we're not going to know the answer. And I think we need to remember, A, it's OK not to know the answer. A lot of people don't have every answer on Earth. But B, maybe it is something that you need more training or more experience on. And you can make that an experiment, too, of the next three months, I'm going to take up stand-up comedy classes and see what happens and go from there. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of bringing me back to what you said earlier about incremental steps and, in, like, your daily actions toward the long-term goals. Because to just say, well, I'm going to teach a course on this thing. Like, if at the beginning of my learning about astrology, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to teach a how to read your birth chart class. I wouldn't have been ready for that. Mm -hmm. And I probably in, like having that super lofty goal at that time, I would have done nothing instead of something. Mm -hmm. So I think that that idea about it being an experiment is just like so crucial because it lets you take the first step without feeling so overwhelmed about like the commitment of this major thing that you don't even know how to execute yet because you've never even tried it. I was asked yesterday about like, 
what would you say to people who want to give chart readings but they're afraid to do it you need to give chart readings like <laughs> get on the internet and look at oprah winfrey's chart and like interpret her son and then do it for a live person and then do it for two live people like you but you have to actually start and sometimes we get so overwhelmed by the big picture like we don't even start right yeah everyone goes through that because we there's this weird like fallacy that happens that if i just knew every way to get there and what to do i would be doing it but you learn by doing you know what i mean like you wouldn't know how to give a birth chart reading if you didn't give birth oh, chart yeah. readings like that's why you do it so that you can learn and be like oh, okay i did it once and now i understand okay people need to know about this more than this i actually heard this podcast oh, i wish i could remember the name where they said the word perfect came actually from like a verb to like perfect something that was act like you need some like a piece of clay basically to mold you can't mold a piece of clay without having the piece of clay there to mold and i was like that really stuck with me because people think oh my god if this was perfect i would be ready to do it when in reality you need something out there to work with and then mold into what you want or else you're just looking at nothing it's a blank canvas yes and Yes, this is why you have to start before you're ready. Start before you're totally confident. You're never going to feel totally ready. And like my experience, at least, maybe after you do it a while, you will, but not when you're starting, you know? It's just going to feel foreign. And like maybe a reframe is what you can use to let that be fun and not frightening. Yeah. And you know what else I've, I've just noticed this year is like do things in silence. You don't have to tell everyone like there's this idea that we have to announce everything that we're working on or what we're behind the scenes developing a skill. And I'm like, why? Like you can practice a birth chart reading in private by giving one to your mom on the phone and be like, mom, don't say anything. I'm just going to practice reading your chart. And then I'm going to do one for my partner, then one for my sister. And now all of a sudden you have 10 under your belt and you're like, you know what? Now I'm going to do one in exchange for a testimonial. Okay. Now I think I'm going to charge $50. Like, and then by the time you're ready, you're like, I've already done 20 chart readings and I feel much more confident. Now I'll announce to the world that I'm doing chart readings. But this idea that we have to constantly keep people in the loop of what we're learning or doing, I think that puts this weird pressure on us to be perfect because we're like, oh my God, everyone knows now and they're going to be judging me. So I'm like, move in silence, practice by yourself, practice alone, and then go out there in the world and do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like we live in this performative society. So I think that's kind of where that pressure comes from. And it's cool if you want to share what you're learning, but yeah, there's certainly some pressure. Like if you do share it, like you might say the wrong thing and like, why do that to yourself when you're learning? That's super important. What would you say to somebody that maybe doesn't feel like they even know where to begin. Um, like if they maybe don't even know what their gifts are and well, I can't think of any compliment anybody's given me. What would you recommend to somebody that's trying to get in touch with what those might be? Oh my gosh, this seems really silly or funny, but like ask people. I used to post Instagram stories or Facebook posts being like, what do you guys know me as? Like, what do you, what are three words you would use to describe me? What do you think are some of my best traits or skills? Like I would publicly ask people. Now I know some people are like, whoa, that's so scary. I don't want to see that. I think you can also just ask your family members or someone you're close to, a, a best friend, a partner, a cousin, whoever. Like, hey, I'm in the process of, you don't even have to say what you're working on. I'm just building something. And I'm trying to create some ideas around how to explain it. What are three words you would use to describe me? Or what are some of my gifts? 
I think if you're you have close family members or people that know you from when you were younger, that's helpful too. Like, what do you remember me doing as a child? Or what were some of the things that stood out to you when I was a kid? Because parents are so perceptive about that or grandparents or whoever was our caretaker that they're like, oh, my God, you've always been independent or you've always been a good writer or a creator. And you're like, OK, so that's actually been a pretty, you know, apparent skill that I've had for a long time. And I think that helps, especially when you hear that you did it as a kid, because you're like, I've done it for years. Like, that's really cool. Now, let's say it's something you haven't done for years and it's just something in the la recent months that you've developed, knowing that it's OK to do again, do things as an experiment and then get feedback on it to see what worked and what didn't. I think everyone is so scared of negative feedback. And I'm like, I don't that's another reframe, too. I don't even use the word negative feedback. I think of everything as constructive criticism. And I'm like, this is a gift. Like people are literally telling me exactly what they want so I can fix it. And then when I deliver it next time, it's going to be what they want. So that's another helpful way to look at something is this isn't negative. It's not a personal attack on me. People just needed something a bit different than what I had in my mind. And now I put it out there and now I have that feedback. I can go ahead and adjust. I think that asking people what your gifts are and where to start is really helpful. Oh, and I will say something that is like really cool tool is mind mapping. So if you are someone that loves to go a bit crazy on like post-it notes or notebooks or even on a laptop, making what your goal is like a big circle and then drawing little circles out of what you think needs to be done to achieve that goal. So, for example, let's say you wanted to start a podcast. We'll use podcast as an example since we're on one. And that project in and of itself, you're like, that is such a big project. I don't know where to start. Well, just brain dump. OK, I probably need a microphone. I probably need editing software probably need a title. I probably need cover art, probably need to think up what my episodes are about. So you just brain dump, brain dump, brain dump. And then what I always tell clients is like, what is the path of least resistance? Like, what is an action you could take tomorrow that would take you five minutes? I could buy a microphone, you know, I'll just go online and buy a microphone. Great. Step one, you bought a microphone. Now we're kicking off the momentum and let's just keep following it by following the next least complicated next step. And then that slowly but surely, you're going to build a podcast just from taking all these small steps. You make everything sound so easy, <laughs> which I mean, it is easy. Like it is. You just do it. But that's kind of like what I want to ask you is like, why do you think so many people don't ever start? What gets in the way for people? I think it's um, the fear of, of what people are going to say about us or how they're going to look at us. Like I remember starting a podcast being like, I could I, I told my mom, I was like, people are going to make fun of me and like people are just going to think it's such a silly thing. And she's like, who are these people? Because you're probably thinking of like one person or two people. And I'm like, you're right. I'm like, I'm thinking of this one coworker who was always a little snooty. And I'm also thinking of my old boss and that one ex I had in college, like just these people that have made, a you know, a mark on our lives for, for better or worse, where you're like, I'm just worried about what they're going to say. It goes back to that example of you can get nine answers right, but when you get number 10 wrong, that's all you focus on. We tend to scan our brains of the past of like, who's hurt us? Who's made fun of us? Who made us feel bad? And then we think all of a sudden those are going to be the people that are seeing our work, our creations, our courses, whatever. And I think that's to me personally what stopped me and what I think a lot of clients deal with is it's going to look silly. And I'm like, I think you're thinking of one or two people and again, is that based in reality? Do you have evidence that that person would think it's silly? Unless you are directly talking to them, texting them and asking them, do you think this is stupid, which is a silly question to ask anyway. 
you're not going to get that information. So you might as well do what you want to do anyway, because you're never going to please anyone no matter what. Mm -hmm. So when you're not doing what you want to do, I always think of it this way. You're you're kind of succumbing to the people that you're thinking of, right? By not putting a podcast out there or launching a course. Yeah, or doing a birth chart reading. It's like, wow, I'm letting the haters and the people that I think are going to think badly of me win because I'm not doing what I actually want to do. This is so deep. I mean, I think this happens in all kinds of contexts. Like, I don't drink and a lot of my coworkers don't know. And I just know, like, we're getting together and everybody's going to drink. And I'm over here like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to tell them I don't drink. What are they going to think about me? And inevitably, any time I do say, oh, yeah, like, I don't drink for health reasons. They're like, okay, (laughs) no one gives a shit. Like, and that's kind of what we're talking about here, too. You are worried about what people think about you. People are not thinking about you, which is a good thing. Yes, they're obsessed with themselves. Yes. (laughs) That is so funny you give that example. That happened to me, too, where I was taking a break from drinking and my culture at work was so heavily focused on drinking. I remember feeling like panic about leaving a happy hour early because I'm like, wow, people are going to think I'm not fun. I'm this loser that doesn't drink. I have no personality. And I was I remember like shaking, being like, hey, I'm leaving a little bit early. And people were like, great, get home safe. Have a good one. See you tomorrow. And I was like, no one cares. Like nothing happened. And I think that was a good example to, again, add to my data bank of like no one cares. Everyone is so self-absorbed and self-obsessed. Again, use your own world. This is what I always tell clients. I'm like, when have you ever, ever, ever looked at someone's creation that's maybe not like a celebrity and been like, that's so dumb. That's stupid. That's silly. I can't believe they did that. Usually you you either don't think about it. It's not on your radar or you're like, that's cool. Cool. They started doing virtual readings. Oh, cool. They have a podcast. You're not like, huh, can't believe this dumbass started a pot like that's not a real thing so i'm like it's just funny that we think we think the worst of people when we wouldn't even think about doing that ourselves which is just so interesting to me i this whole conversation is like if i had to put a thesis on it it's like all the ways we get in our own way and how we can overcome it by choosing to look at it differently and, and really just getting out of our brains yeah and you know what's interesting too is all the people that I always thought would make fun of whatever I was doing end up, ended up being the people that were either my most like vocal supporters or didn't say anything. Like I've never to this yeah. day gotten a negative comment or anything about my podcast. So if anything, actually the ex that I thought was going to make fun of it reached out to me and said, oh my God, your podcast sounds great. I'm so proud of you. I was like, wait I thought he was gonna be like this is so dumb can't believe you started it and I'm like that's really interesting that it it usually is the opposite I think we have to remember people generally want to root for you they don't want to see you suffer and get taken down publicly like that's not a real thing you know you starting a creation or putting out a course or whatever it is people want to help you and they want to root for you so I think once we can lock that in our minds it becomes a lot easier to move forward Absolutely. That idea changed my life. Like I remember being at a party in college and just realizing like, because I grew up in a small town where people were dicks to each other. And I was like, kind of on guard, right? And I think a lot of us have had experiences like that where we just learn to be a little more defensive. Somehow we, we get this idea that we can't trust people, but absolutely, people are generally rooting for you. And if they're not, you really actually don't need to worry about that. 
that's their problem, not yours. Right. They're probably not going to like, yeah, they're not your ideal client or customer or anything, right? They're not your ideal partner. If someone is that against you, they're not meant to be in your world. Right. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So Chelsea, I know you're currently podcast coaching. What's on the agenda for you these days? What are you working on? Yeah, I have one-on-one -on -one coaching open right now. I offer three or six month coaching and I really focus on strategies. So content strategy, launch strategy, planning, SEO, just making podcasting more sustainable and fun. That's really my goal with all my clients. I also have one-off consults available. So if you just want to do a consult with me, and see how I could help you. I'm totally open to that. And then I will have Mic Drop, which is a launch course coming out soon. It is my favorite course to teach. It's one of the best courses I have because everyone that takes it launches a podcast. So if you want to launch a podcast, just stay tuned. Sounds amazing. And I do want to say, I'm going to mention this in the intro probably too, but everybody listening, Chelsea is the reason this is happening. Like this idea sat in my brain for a year and then we talked for an hour and I knew exactly what to do for the next six months. Like I love that. It really happened that easily. And when I got, I almost wanted to tell you, never mind, because I was like, I don't think I can even articulate. Like I've been thinking about this for so long and it's, I was like so stuck in like neutral. So anyway, I was just like floored that that was so simple for you to articulate, but it was the reason we're here so thank you oh my you. gosh well thank you and i know everyone listening is probably a new astrology or human design and so i am a aquarius yeah. sun but i'm a virgo moon rising with a north node in capricorn and a stellium in capricorn and i'm a reflector in human design and those are known as being the evaluators so i feel like when we're talking about gifts that's something that helped me a lot too was getting a birth chart reading and understanding my human design and being like that's actually a skill i have where i can find all these complexities and see where people are stuck and pull it down to next steps and that's something that helped me a lot so to bring this conversation together also book with dana learn about your birth chart and you might find your gifts absolutely and i i'd say this all the time but one of the things that like brought me to my birth chart was actually like trying to figure out what i like to do for fun which I'm always embarrassed to say, because that sounds so dumb, but like, I didn't know. So, yeah. um, but you can, you can learn about things like that in your charts. So, um, that's what it's there for. So help you get to know yourself. So especially if you're somebody who's feeling like, I don't know what my gifts are, your chart can help with that. Yeah. Um, and also Chelsea can help. With yeah. That. I'm here to help you with your podcast gifts. Dana can help you with your placements and see where your gifts shine. And yeah, do a birth chart reading and then come start your podcast. <laughs> yeah. One stop shop. I love it. <laughs> well, Chelsea, I am so grateful that you were willing to talk. And I think that there was, there's so much wisdom in this one little episode. So, oh, and people can listen to your podcast too. Yes. Yeah, it's called In My Non-Expert Opinion. And I think it's a funny name because it shows that when I started that podcast, that's what it was going to be. It's just a bunch of non-expert opinions. And so I think you can have fun with your podcast and name it whatever you want based on the goal that you're trying to achieve. So yeah, it's called In My Non-Expert Opinion. It covers lifestyle, travel, mindset, entrepreneurship, and money. And it comes out weekly. I'm probably moving to season soon, so stay tuned for that. But yeah, you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Yeah, it's in my library. So oh, love that. Check it out. And check out Chelsea's work. And Chelsea, thank you for being you and being here. Thank you. This is so fun. 